My name is Jacob, and I'm part of the, the staff team here with City Let You, and super excited to, to share tonight. Um, we've, been, we've been going through the series of the difficult sayings of Jesus, and we're really digging into these, these things that Jesus said that we read them, and we're like, ooh, like, I don't quite understand that, or I don't really like what he's saying there. Um, difficult things to understand on the surface. And we've got a little slide that, that describes some of these things. So it's things that we read from, from Jesus, so we say, I don't get that, or I don't know what to do with that, or I don't like that. And I think it's really good for us to go through the, this series and to, to think and to, to wrestle with things that Jesus said, because he's not scared of our, of our questions. He's not like, oh no, they're going to they're gonna discover that I actually don't love them or something. Like, no, of course not. He's not scared of our questions. So we get to, to go to him and ask him these things. And his word even says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I just encourage you guys to, to even as this series ends, to continue to go, to go forward and, and go to the Lord with your questions and ask his spirit to, to, to speak to you and, and read his word and see what he's saying. And Tonight, we're going to do that. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand a section of Scripture that is just hard. It could fit in under like all of these three categories, I think. I gave this sermon actually in Guatemala a few weeks ago, and, and it was hard to share there, and it might be a little difficult to share here, too. But, but what I love about it is, even though it's, it's difficult, and it might be difficult for us to hear it's coming from a place of a God who loves us, and he wants what's best for us. And so when he tells us, like, sin's got to be eliminated, he's doing that because he knows that, that there's life when that happens, right? So I want to read these verses. It's Mark chapter 9, verses 42 to 50. Um, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen, and I'll read it. It says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask you, God, that you would speak to us tonight. Father, would we open up our hearts to hear what you would say? And God, I just pray that you would communicate your heart and your, your love um, through my words, and that um, we, would, we would come away, God, just in awe of you more and um, wanting to, to obey you to follow you. So I thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the main themes that we see from our text tonight is, is this idea that it's, it's better to sacrifice now so that we can live later than to live now in this life of, of sin that we think is life, but to sacrifice our souls later. Jesus says, what good is it if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, right? So he's talking us to us about the importance of of our soul. And I think this matters big time for us tonight because we live in a world that is full of sin, right? We're very aware of the, the sin that's around us. And if you're anything like me, my natural tendency when I'm not pursuing the Lord is to go and pursue sin, right? I'm not, I'm not going to the Lord. Um, if I'm not intentional with my relationship with the Lord, my intentionality then 
turns into to sin. And this text tonight, it reminds us of the power of sin. And we need to understand that, that playing with sin is dangerous. It's not a wise thing to do. Sin leads us to death. But we're also going to remember tonight the power of Jesus, that because of Jesus, we're able to walk in victory and we're able to, to flee from sin. So may Jesus be our confidence as we hear this message. May, may our faith in him give us the power to fight sin here on earth. And, and one of the keys in understanding difficult sections of Scripture, and really all of Scripture, is to understand it in its context. So read the verses around it. See what's, what, it, um, what is saying in the portions leading up to the text and after the text. And so in verse 42, we're entering into the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. So he's not speaking to the multitudes. He's speaking in this situation to his disciples. And he's talking to them about the kingdom of God and about the role that they play in the kingdom. And so for us, we need to understand that, that Jesus alone saves us, right? And so when we place our faith in Jesus, we then become a part of the kingdom of God. And as a part of the kingdom of God, we then have a role to play on the earth as Christ's ambassadors, representatives of the kingdom here on earth. And so as Christians, we want to represent Jesus well, right? We want to represent our king in heaven well here on the earth. And that's what Jesus is instructing his disciples about in this section. How do you do that? How do you represent me well on the earth? And so this message tonight would then be for every one of you who has placed your faith in Jesus and who would call yourself a disciple of Jesus. If you're not there yet, you need to know that, that you can, even in this moment, you can turn from your sins. And if you'll place your faith in Jesus, just like that, you become a part of the kingdom of God here on earth. And that message then can be for you tonight as well. So Jesus is talking to us. Everyone who would say, I'm a Christian, he's talking to us tonight. And, and again, we have this responsibility to represent Jesus well on the earth. And one of the ways that we can represent him well is to flee from sin, to flee away from sin and to run toward him. And a lot of times this idea of, of fleeing sin, it sounds like a sacrifice. It sounds like something that that we have to do that's, that's difficult, right? But we need to understand that life, true life, comes as a result of sacrifice. We saw that back with Jesus, right? True life, eternal life with him, came as a result of his sacrifice on the cross, and the same it is with us. So our first truth tonight is this. Sin is dangerous. Sin is dangerous. In verse 42, it tells us this. It says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... It would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. So, how dangerous is sin? It's so dangerous that if you're part of a little child falling into sin, it's better for you if you die. But not just that you die, but that your death would be filled with, with slavery, with bondage, headed to the bottom of the sea. Right? It's a strong picture. Super strong picture. Why so strong? Because the kingdom of God belongs to the little children. See, when people, when people place their faith in Jesus, they, the Bible describes them as, as babies, as newborns. So not only does God love and care for children, he also loves and cares for children in the faith, right? No matter what your physical age is. And babies, they need to be cared for. They need to be helped. They need to be protected. They need to be guided into truth. And causing a little child to sin 
is the exact opposite of all of those things, right? So if, if you're taking the name of Christ, if you're saying, I'm a Christian, but then you're causing people and little children to fall into sin, then this verse is a very clear warning for us that we need to be careful because sin is dangerous. But something that I was thinking about as, as I was thinking through this verse is that most people are not going to like wake up one morning and say, okay, this morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go and cause someone to sin. I'm going to go hurt a kid today. Like most people are not waking up and saying, hey, this is my goal for the day, right? Or I'm not going to go cheat on my spouse and, and ruin my family forever. We don't wake up thinking that. But sin is dangerous and we have to eliminate sin in our lives even when it seems small because sin grows. Something that's interesting is this warning that Jesus gives is to his disciples. He's not telling the multitudes. He's saying to his disciples. And so, so as a result, this is directed to us too. It can happen to any of us. And unfortunately, there's a lot of, of stories of people who have been in a great, a great position, a great place of influence in the Christian faith who have fallen because they didn't deal with their sin. And one of those, um, there's a pastor in Florida that some of my good friends in ministry grew up under. And um, there's a, a local pastor that was discipled in, that, in his church. There's another one in Guatemala that was discipled in his church. This church was, um, or is, still home to about 20,000 people. Huge church, super impactful. Um, but a few years ago, devastating news came one morning to the church. They found out that their pastor had resigned, effective immediately, because word got out that he was having an affair with someone in, in his church. And as you can imagine, everyone who heard this was, was heartbroken, was confused, and there's 20,000 people that were hurt as a result of, of this man's sin. And I share that story to illustrate that it can happen to all of us. If we do not confess and turn from our sins in our lives, there is a grave ending that could happen to all of us. And and I know that this pastor did not start serving in the ministry like 20 years ago with the goal of sleeping with someone in his congregation and ruining his family, right? That was not why he started to serve the Lord. But because he did not have accountability in his life and did not confront his sin when it seemed small, it grew and he fell in a huge way. And so as a result, you've got a new pastor in his position now who's, who's working hard and praying even harder that God would heal the hearts of many, many children of God who are hurt. Hurt because this guy that they trusted in fell. It's one story to show that sin is dangerous. And because sin is dangerous, it needs to be eliminated. And that's our second truth from this text. Sin needs to be eliminated. We see this in verses 43 to 48. Jesus says, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So Clay, can you get me the machete, please? We're going to cut people's hands off. Just kidding. Mine first. <laughs> That's a joke. Anyway, again, guys, this is a super, super clear picture from Jesus. Like, he's using hyperbole here, and, and, but he's doing it 
to, to illustrate for us a super clear truth that sin is dangerous. Sin needs to be eliminated. We need to kill the sin in our lives. And this is where we, we see that, that it's, it's better to sacrifice now and live later in freedom with the Lord than to, to live now in a life that we think is free but is actually bound by sin and sacrifice our souls later. In other words, it's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to go to hell. But again, like I said earlier, a lot of times this, this idea of, of um, confronting and, and eliminating sin, it feels like a sacrifice. And part of the reason for that, I think, is because of, of how we communicate it. Because oftentimes, and I know that I've heard this plenty from the church, it's, it's this message of quit looking at porn, stop sleeping with people that aren't your spouse, um, stop getting drunk, quit partying, right? And it's all this like stop, 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 stop. And of course those things are things that we shouldn't do. Like we should not be sleeping with people that we're not married to. Of course, we need to eliminate the sin in our lives. But the question that I want to ask is, is how? How can we eliminate sin? If sin is so dangerous, if sin is so um, costly, how can we eliminate it? And, and here's what I want us to understand. We cannot eliminate sin if we're simply focused on not sinning. Instead, we can defeat sin when we remember that Jesus has already defeated sin. Let me repeat that. We cannot defeat sin if we're simply focused on not sinning. Instead, we can defeat sin when we remember that Jesus has already defeated sin. And I believe this is so important because I've lived years of my Christian life thinking more about not sinning than thinking about my Savior who didn't sin, right? My mind has been so like, don't sin, don't sin, and I forget my Savior who didn't sin and who, who has given me, offered me his perfection. And guess what? Every time, pretty much, that I thought about not sinning, I sinned. Almost every single time. And that was the story of my life for, for a long season. And as a result of that sin, I would always feel like, like less of a child of God, like the worst of his family, because, again, my mind was focused on me. It was on my sin and not on my Savior. And after years like that, God in his mercy began to remind me of, of Jesus, of who Jesus is and of what my Savior has done for me. And I believe that there's probably some of you here that would say, I want to run away from sin. I want to obey Jesus, but I'm not doing it right now. Could it be because your mind is focused on not sinning instead of on Jesus, your king, who did not sin? And if that's you, I, just, I simply want to share with us the gospel tonight because I believe that, that as we understand what Jesus did, as we dwell on what Jesus did, it changes our minds. It changes how we think and it changes how we act. And so I would ask you to just soak it in, to believe this truth and to cherish the truth of who Jesus is. And I have to do this with myself every single day. When I wake up, I have to remind myself of Jesus because if I don't, like I said earlier, I forget we have to remember Jesus. So what's the gospel? It's good news. It's good news for us that in the beginning, God created man, and he created man in his own image, and they walked side by side. They walked in this pure, beautiful relationship in a, in a beautiful garden. And then one day, man fell into sin. And as a result of that sin, man hid himself from God, clothed in shame, away from God because of their sin. And 
And that's how it continues to this day. Mankind, to this day, apart from Jesus, we are separated from God and we're clothed in shame. We hide from God because of our sin. Mankind, we've fallen short of God's glory. And so now we're headed to an eternity apart from God because of our sin. Because sin is costly. Because God is perfect. God is holy. As a result of his perfection, he cannot be in relationship with people that are not perfect and not holy. Because of our sin, we have that title, not perfect and not holy. So God cannot be in a relationship with us. And that's a big problem. But the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, God began his plan, his mission, to restore the relationship he had with mankind in the beginning. See, God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to this earth to live a perfect and a holy life. His son Jesus then went to the cross and paid for our sins because our sin was costly. It cost nothing less than the blood of the Son of God. And Jesus, because he loved us, he went to the cross and he endured that shame. He took on our shame for the joy set before him and then he declared, it is finished. The price has been paid. I have paid for your sin. And now, because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, all who believe in him are children of God. They have a restored relationship with God the Father, and they have an identity that is firm and unchanging in the eyes of God. Colossians 3.3, it says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That means that our new identity is now the identity of Jesus. Meaning this, when I sin, God does not look at me and say, You stupid kid, I cannot believe you sinned again. Go leave and come back when you do better. That's not what God says. Instead, he sees me in his son, Jesus. The righteousness of Jesus has now been placed on me through faith in him by the grace of God. There's a song in Spanish that it sounds a lot better in Spanish, but I love what it says because it illustrates this so clearly. It says, now I'm yours, now I'm your child, and you have placed your identity upon me. And that's the truth for us if our faith is in Jesus, that we cannot do anything to change how God the Father looks at us. Because as children of God, this truth is that we are hidden with Christ in God and his righteousness is now our righteousness. It doesn't matter if I haven't sinned for a week or if I just sinned 10 seconds ago. This is the truth of the gospel that we need to believe and remember every day. And as we remember this truth, we're going to see the sin in our lives eliminated. We're going to flee sin And we're going to run quickly to Jesus, not because we think that running to Jesus is just a good idea, but because we love our Savior, and we want to be with the one who rescued us. Guys, this is the way that we can eliminate sin. It's by looking to Jesus and not to our sin. It's believing that we are forgiven, that we're part of the family of God, that in the eyes of God, the truth is that we walk without spot or blemish because of Jesus because of his grace. So we're going to eliminate sin with eyes fixed on Jesus. And what I love is that this is something that that the whole Bible teaches. And I want to read Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 for us because I feel like it just, it illustrates this so well. So let me read it. It says, Therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How do we run this race? How do we endure when sin wants all of our attention? Well, we look to Jesus. We endure knowing that we're not alone in this fight. We look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, the one who started it, the one who's going to complete it. Just like the old hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sin needs to be eliminated. And the great news that we're going to see is our third truth, is that sin can be eliminated. Look with me at verses 49 and 50. It says, For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So in verse 48, Jesus is talking about a a fire that is is strong and that's eternal. He's talking about a fire of judgment that everyone who has not yet placed their faith in Jesus is going to experience. It's the fire that our sin deserves. But then we get to verse 49, and Jesus starts to talk about a different type of fire, a fire of, of sacrifice, a fire of purification, a fire for all the believers in Jesus. This fire has to do with, with our lives here on earth. It's not a question of whether we're going to go to heaven or hell when we die, but rather, what did we do with our time on the earth? It's a fire that all believers are going to experience. Everyone will be salted with fire. So the question is, as this, as this fire comes, are we going to see our lives as lives that we're living in sin and wasted on the earth, or lives that we're eliminating sin and living for the glory of God here on earth? Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and he talks about this, this fire that believers are going to experience in the final judgment. And it says, each one's work is going to be manifest for the day that Jesus returns will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved as through the fire. So the things that are going to survive that eternal or that, that, that final fire are going to be everything that we did for the glory of God here on earth. We're going to be rewarded in eternity for what we did that advanced the kingdom of God. But then everything that we did that was in sin, that was for our own glory, that was um, for ourselves, then those things are going to be burned up and there will be no eternal reward for them. But remember, this is a fire of purification. It's a fire, it's not a fire of the eternal judgment. So if you're hidden with Christ in God, you're saved forever. That's the truth. And with that in mind, we need to understand that, that we want to represent Jesus well on the earth. We want our, our works to pass through that fire in the last days so that we can give glory to God for all of eternity with the rewards that we're given for what we did for him. So I want to close by looking at verse 50, and it says this. It says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. What I want to point out here is that, that as, we, as we are in this fight to eliminate sin, to, to 
to, to flee sin. We've got the Holy Spirit with us, right? But we also have each other. And I want to close by just looking at, looking at salt and then looking at the power of community. So first, salt. It says, it says salt is good, but if it's lost its saltiness, can it be made salty again? So my question is, how does salt lose its flavor? Because salt is salt, and flavor is, is what it is, right? So how, what, is, what is Jesus talking about here? In Bible times, there was this practice that, that the salt vendors were, were doing. And basically, they thought that if they took a little bit of salt and they mixed other things with it, other things that looked like salt, other little white things, to say it like that, then they could sell this salt at the same price, but they would make more money. And they did it. But the problem with this was they weren't selling salt. They were selling a bag of little white things that had a little bit of salt. And so how does salt lose its flavor? Well, as they think through this, the original disciples, they would think, oh, well, salt loses its saltiness when it's diluted, when it becomes a bunch of little white things in a bag. And that's how it is with sin. Sin is dangerous, and it needs to be eliminated in our lives, because if sin has a home in our hearts, if sin has a home in our lives, then we're going to be ineffective for the kingdom of God. We're going to lose our flavor. Because Jesus, he calls believers, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if, for example, you're a little bit of salt and a lot of other things that maybe look like salt, but they're not, then you're not serving your purpose on the earth. So your sin is making you less effective for the kingdom of God. But the good news is that we don't have to stay there. And the second thing that I want to point out here is about, um, about community. That if you would decide today, you say, I want to start to focus on Jesus, and I want to start to flee sin in my life, then I want to encourage you guys to do it in community, to do it with your church family. Because imagine for a minute if, if a group of, of all of us, little, little bags of salt, Decide to pursue Jesus together, to flee sin together, to preach the gospel to each other, to pray for each other. Well, what would happen? Verse 50 says that if we have these qualities of salt, then we're going to live in peace with one another. So think about your friends. What would your friends think if they saw a group of young people, you guys, living in peace and love with one another, not talking behind each other's backs, not competing with each other? Well, they would take notice. John 13, 35 says, By this, all people will know that you're disciples, my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love between yourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. And remember that in Mark 9, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the kingdom of God. And he's, he's telling them about the importance of entering this kingdom and then of representing this kingdom well on the earth. And what we see in John 13 is that there's no better way to represent Jesus on the earth than to live in love and peace together. The world will know that we're disciples of Jesus if we have love for one another. Earlier, I shared the story of the, the pastor in Florida who, who sinned and, and, and affected thousands of people. And one of the people who was affected most by that sin was his son. And about a year and a half ago, when I was in Guatemala, his son came down on, on a mission trip. And I got an opportunity to, to just talk to him and see how he was doing and and he just shared with me that, that it was really difficult for a long time um, after he found out that his dad had been living in sin. 
See, the sin of his father had affected him greatly. He didn't trust his dad anymore. He had a hard time trusting other pastors. He even had a hard time trusting God. But after a season of of rebellion and of anger against God, he recognized that even though his earthly dad had failed him, and had failed him in a really big way, his heavenly father had not failed him. See, God, in his grace, brought this young man into a community of believers, a group of people that pointed him to Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. See, he had seen a man, his dad, take advantage of the sheep, take advantage of the people in his church. But God pointed him to his son who died for the sheep. And in that community of believers that pointed this young man to Jesus, he was able to develop a restored and a healed relationship with God, a relationship that is built on the perfect man, the son of God, Jesus now he's a leader in that, in that mission organization, and he's helping send missionaries all over the world to preach the good news of Jesus, because this good news has changed him. He's a restored man in Jesus who can now share the story of the difficulty so that others can be encouraged to endure. See, sin is dangerous. It affects more than just the person who sins, but Jesus is stronger than our sin. Jesus is stronger than our friend's sin. So would we be a community of believers who says, I'm going to run from sin and I'm going to run to Jesus, but we're going to do it together. We're going to encourage one another that when one of us is down, we're going to encourage them and bring them back up. When one of us is struggling in sin, we're not going to look down on them and tell them to stop sinning. No, we're going to point them to Jesus who died for them, who died for that sin and now who invites them in to freedom. So I'd encourage you guys, if you don't have um, a person that, that you can be real and honest in yourself with, seek them out. Pray that God would give you someone. Ask us. We can, we can be available to you. Because sin is dangerous, but Jesus is stronger, and Jesus has overcome sin. And one day, we have the promise of coming glory with him, where the struggle is going to be over, and we're going to be eternally with Jesus in a new body, restored forever. Amen. So let's not grow weary in this fight. Let's run with endurance with our eyes fixed on Jesus like Hebrews 12 says.